In a world filled with chaos, we're being told to focus on Christmas. How can Christmas change what's going on in the world? That's the question of the hour. Join me during this Christmas season to discover who's in the manger. I'm going to read from Luke chapter 2. You're in John 6. We'll get there in a moment. But remember this scene we've been thinking about all month long. And the angel said to them, Fear not, speaking to the shepherds, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Say that with me. All the people. Now listen to this. For unto you, that's you and I and the world, this day is born in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Now lean into this this morning, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom He is pleased. I've got good news today, and that news is to tell you that in the world of darkness there is hope. That what we are studying, the one who came, who we've been all this month, we've been asking the question, who's in the manger? And we've already discovered that the one who came in the manger was the life who came to be the light of the world. And this one who came purchased our opportunity to have light and, and to, to have life by becoming the, listen to this, the Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world. But let me ask you this morning, are you weary? Let me ask you, are, are you maybe in a place today that, that you're just really not in good spiritual health? Some, some, somebody's online, I sense it now, that's watching, probably lying on the couch, so discouraged. I've been eating all week and then long, just indulging themselves. Think about, consider with me for a moment, would you please, just for a moment, consider with me what's around you. Some people around us in this country are living in total fear. Do you know that? They are living today in, in the fright that maybe they might die today from some virus or some car might hit them. They are mamas that are afraid to get their children out of the house. They're afraid to take them everywhere because there is this, this weariness and this darkness that has encompassed our world. Secondly, think, consider people around us who are frustrated. You meet anybody frustrated? A pastor reminded me of this just yesterday. He said this, when you come up to a traffic light, God forbid if you're the first one at the light. Now listen to this. He said this. He said, because when it turns green, if you don't stomp it right on the floor, the horns are blowing in a second. Am I right? Because people are just frustrated. People are just frustrated right now. Some of you are frustrated with your spouse. You're frustrated with your health. You're frustrated with your job. You're just frustrated with everything. And I want to say this to you. It's because that you have lost your life. You've lost your life to a world today that is weary and a world that is wicked. Now think about the people around us. Some, some are in fear. Some are frustrated. Some are living what I call foolish lives. They really believe, they really believe the consumerism of this world is the way to live. And they're frustrated because they're trying to find peace. They're trying to find purpose. They're trying to find hope and joy in a world that cannot offer that joy to them. They can say it's true. They can present it on TV. Remember I talked about last week, if you're old enough to remember the Sears and Roebuck catalog. I can remember thinking about, as I would look at those Tonka toys on, on, on top of that, that bed of, of rocks and, and how that, boy, that would bring joy. But I want to tell you, no amount of toys can replace the, the joy that you have when your family is in a true relationship with God. But then there are those of us, this, this Christmas season, we consider people who are having, having faith. Anybody else? I just want to tell you, God's been good to me this year. 
I just want to tell you that God has been good to this preacher and his family this year. And we've learned to walk in faith in the midst of hard times and in the midst of easy times and, and times even when people are apathetic, Brother Andy. And I tell you, it was, it's been a privilege this week with a hundred other people to volunteer our time. On the weekend when a lot of people say, it's my busiest weekend of the year. But we said, yes, it is, but it's the most important weekend. This is our opportunity. Here's the point I want you to see as it comes on the screen for you. Christmas can be the best of times, and Christmas can be, what's that? It's up to you. You say, no, it's not. Oh, yeah. No one else may amen, but I'll, I'll lean back in old eastern Kentucky away and say, amen. Christmas can be the best of times, but Christmas can be the Worst of times. There's a verse of scripture that I've had you looking at for a while. I want you to see it with me. John chapter 6 and verse 35. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said to them, I am the, say it with me, the bread of life. Let that sink in for a moment. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. Now this reality of, of Jesus Christ being the bread of life might not seem significant to you. You might not have caused you to amen, but once you understand the truth of it, it causes you to embrace a life that has fulfillment. Now, I believe this this Christmas season, that there are two ways of life put before us. There's the the way you see it coming on the screen for you, the way of consumerism. Now, consumerism, according to the Webster Dictionary, is simply this. It is the, the desire within a person that they want the things of this world. It actually talks about it like this. Here's a proper definition. A preoccupation with goods and other economically desirable things. Be honest, it is the weekend before Christmas, and if you have younger kids, you're probably maybe trying to find the perfect gift. Others of you, now, uh, how many of you just be honest, raise your hand, you don't buy anything until December 24th? Anybody in the room? Nobody is, I knew there's one, there's two. I know there's probably more in this room that you say, how do you know that? Because sometimes years have gone by. On the 24th, I realized I hadn't gotten anybody anything. And so there's consumerism. Jesus stood before a group of people and he said to them, there were thousands of them in the crowd. He says, behold, I am the bread of of life. Now here's the scene. Jesus, according to the context of the Gospel of John, is the Son of God who came to give His life for us. And Jesus, as the Son of God, in John chapter 6, gave, did many different miracles to emphasize who He was and also this, His love for people. So John 6 begins like this, that Jesus goes across from Capernaum, across the Sea of Galilee, and a group of people gather with Him, thousands in the crowd. They were there, according to Scripture, for consumerism because they saw His miracles and they had hoped that He would do some miracle for them. They'd been there quite a while, and the Bible says that Jesus looked at Philip and He said, Philip, all these people are here and they're hungry. And He said, what should we do? He knew what He would do. And only one dude, Andrew, came. And remember, he came with five little sardines. Nobody amen this yet. And two little pieces of bread, two little small biscuits of bread. How many of you would love to have sardines and, and a biscuit? Only John up there. One or two. Praise God, a few of you people do that. Amen. And so the Bible says that Jesus had them sit down, and what did he do? He blessed it. He blessed it. Now, here are these consumer people. I can see them. They are thinking about, now, what is this? What can he do? And the Bible said that after he said amen, he began to break them. And he kept breaking, and he kept breaking, 
and it kept breaking, and it kept breaking. Has God been good to you this year? Just kept breaking, kept breaking, kept breaking. His kindness, his mercy. And 5,000 men later, plus their, their wives and their children, they had all they wanted. And the Bible said this, and they were filled. The Scripture says in that moment, in their consumerism heart, that they say, you need to be our king. And so listen to what the, what the Bible says, that Jesus says, no, I'll not be your king. He came to be the redeemer, not the consumer God. And so he put his disciples in a boat, and he went up to the mountain to pray. And you know the story. In that night, this storm came. And the storm almost took them out. Matthew records that, that Peter walks on the water, Jesus, and then sinks when he looks away, and he says, Lord, save me. And the Scripture says Jesus was in the water, he was in the boat, and then they're at the other side. So the next morning, the consumerism crowd get up wanting more. They look for Jesus, and he's nowhere to be found. And the Scripture says, if you remember the story, and just hang with me now, it's going to get good, they, they begin to realize this, he may have snuck over to the other side. They didn't understand the miracle that he had walked on the water. And so they get in their boats, and so, so they come to the other side, and they find Jesus. Look in your Bible, if you would, in John chapter 6 and verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, now listen to this, Rabbi, I want you to think about this, Rabbi, when did you come here? Now, I want to tell you, this is, the, this is an okay question, correct? There, I would want to know that if, if Danny Smith was here with me to, and, and we, were, we were talking together. He didn't have a vehicle, and suddenly I couldn't find him, and, and I heard that he was down at Piggly Wiggly. I would, I would assume either somebody took him or he got there somehow. It's a, it's, it's a fair question. And think about this year and all the consumerism. We are worried about the boats that are out in the ocean. What are we going to do for Christmas? And there was the debates and the arguments about all of these things this year. When, when I thought this, I've already got the best gift. Anyone else? I've already got the best gift, Jesus. And so people are frustrated by that, and, and people are, are, are upset about that. And so Jesus answers them in verse 26. I, I love how he goes to the heart. Look what he said in verse 26. Truly, truly, I say to you. Whenever Jesus says something twice in the beginning, you better pay attention. Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you did what? Because you ate and you, and you, you were filled with the loaves. Now, a couple of things that I want you to think about when it comes to consumerism. Notice this that comes on the screen. Consumerism drives a person's appetite and their actions. Can I get an amen? It does. I mean, I, I won't be very hungry at all. We'll have the TV on, and suddenly that delicious, gourmet, healthy meal comes on the commercial. Anyone else? And all of a sudden, you just, you just think, maybe I, I need that. And I look over at Sherry, and I'm like, nope, she ain't going to go for that. And so all this consumerism is out there, and it drives us. Do you know the Bible says this in, the, in Romans chapter 8? The Bible says this in verse 5, the flesh profits nothing. This Christmas season, and challenges me to this, I am not going to hide, I'm not going to pout, I'm not going to frown, I'm not going to disengage, I'm going to engage more because the hope of the world said to me, truly, truly, don't labor for that which perishes. Now think about this, the second thing about consumerism, consumerism drives, or excuse me, indoctrinates, write this down as it comes on the screen, it indoctrinates a person's belief system. It so moves us, that's all that we think about. In verse 27, Jesus said, Do not work for the food that perishes, 
But notice what he said. But for the food that endures to eternal life. Anybody in this room working hard? Anybody in this room spending your life sweating, sacrificing, and selling your days and nights for just a piece of the pie? I want you to hear this. The world is perishing. Over 800,000 people have died just in America alone with this, vari- these, this COVID-19 and the different variants. And, and I was just reading a few minutes ago before I came out, just scanning the headlines. And places like Denmark and many other places in the world are completely shutting down because they're doing, now listen, they're doing all that they know to do. And people are going to become frustrated because they, they, they are losing their rights. Well, friend, listen to me. We are laboring for things that perish. You cannot live forever. And I believe my quality of life is far better than my quantity of life. The quality of how I live is far more important. Now listen to me, there's a major truth I want to give you. There's two major truths in this outline. Number one is this, write it down. Your connection to the one in the manger determines your amount of effectiveness. What do you labor for? What will you be involved in? I find this in, in the family of God today. We pick and choose just like that we're going to a market about our faith. I'll do this. I kind of like that one. I'll do that one. I don't like that one. I'm not going to do that one. Listen to me. I love my church. Amen. And because I love my church and I'm a part of the body of Christ, I realize this, that everything that we do is to be of effectiveness and we need each other. And so here's what, I just want to encourage you this as you come to 222, if God lets us live, plan your calendar around the church, not in spite of the church. Did you hear me? If you'll plan your calendar around the church, you'll find you'll be effective in the kingdom of God. Because we promise you this, we will not lay anything in your path that will be a waste for you. We will not place anything in your life where that we believe this is useless. We debate as a staff sometimes. We pray and we fast and we plead with God. The deacon fellowship, we plead with God that what we would put before you would help you, watch this, to ease people's burdens, to equip people, and to evangelize the lost and dying world so that when 800,000 people die, our hearts will not be broken for shame because we were not involved or we were preoccupied. Our hearts will be, be broken for their lostness, but we will say, this before God we did all we could do we did all we could do to get them brother Andy to the bread of life and friend today what I find is that the church is going to sleep even at Christmas time because we're so consumed with commercialism the commercialism that drives the, the doctrine of who we are Listen to me, these people in that day it drove them verse 28 then they said to him what must we do to do the works of God they said well Jesus we we'd like to have this thing that you offer just tell me what to do. Listen to the Jesus answered, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. The greatest work that any person can do is quit believing that what they do counts, listen, for their own salvation. And understand that what we do is because we are saved. I don't work to get saved. I, I work because James chapter 2, verse 14, 15, because I am saved. So notice verse 30, so they said to him, then what sign do you do? that we may see and believe you. What work do you perform? Verse 31, our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. Can you imagine eating that bread every day for 40 years? I would have even brought that thing up. Anyone else? It is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. 
Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you true bread from heaven. They didn't buy it at all. They said, listen, Moses uh, Moses is the one. And listen to me, the, the priest, if you, Warren Worsby reminds us, he said, the priests were preaching that when Jesus comes, he'll do exactly like Moses. But we've been reading Hebrews this week that Jesus is greater than Moses, and Moses just pointed us to Jesus. He was just a type of the Christ to come. And I find today that people really foolishly believe that the things that you buy the things that you eat, the things that you're engaged in, the sex of the world, the achievement, the success can really bring you peace. If nothing else, COVID-19 has reminded us of this. If you gain the whole world and lose your soul, you've prospered nothing. And this is our time, and this is our place. And listen to me this morning. I want to ask you as a believer today to turn away from the consumerism that has indoctrinated you. You say, Pastor, what do you mean? Here's the next point from you. Your connection to the one in the manger determines where you will live forever. Jesus is saying, I'm not talking about bread that you ate one day and it goes through the body and it comes out. You surely know within three months, amen, that the Christmas gifts, for the kiddos, where's it going to be? They don't make anything good anymore. It's in the trash heap. Am I right? Three months from now, Santa Claus will be replaced by the Easter Bunny, and then we'll go to July 4th and all the other things, and the world bypasses the truth of Jesus. But I want you to hear this now. We're coming down to the conclusion of verse 33. For the bread of God is He who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to Him, Sir, give us this bread always. In other words, can we come every day and get this? That's church in America. It's when we come on Sunday and get one hour of service, and I promise you this, I believe this, that many people never think about God until the next Sunday, and they come back for an hour and say, God, give me what I need for the week. Give me what I need for the week. And friend, let me tell you, if the only time you're in God's Word is when you're here with me, you're going to get bloated on Sunday. Because we come, we, I, I come giving it out, 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 of, out of, not out of a bucket, but out of a fire hose. I can't wait for Sunday. I all week long have been taking it in. All week long been getting it in, preaching in different places. Last week I was online here speaking in Africa to our Bible school students, and this week I'll get the opportunity as well. I'm already cranked up. Uh, uh, Linda Linton's dad went home to be with the Lord, got saved about a week before he died. I'm going up to Gainesville to preach the funeral on Tuesday. Her, her brothers are without Christ. I can't wait. I just can't wait to get up there and preach the inerrant, infallible gospel of Jesus Christ to them because there is a bread that is offered to them for heaven that can change their lives. And friend, you ought to get out of bed in the morning and meet with God, the living bread of life. So much get inside of you and jump out of the house. If you need to put on the mask, put on If you don't want to, don't put on Go somewhere and get in the place, put on the gloves, whatever you need to do. And say, I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting for you. That's the message of Christmas. So you say, preacher, how do I do that? Here's what you need to do. You need to choose the way of Christ. You need to choose the way of Christ. What did Christ say? Verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. There are seven I am statements in the Gospel of John. This is the first one. Whenever Jesus says, I am... He's relating this truth all the way back from Exodus 3 when Moses, remember, came to the burning bush. 
not, not to the ministry, but to the bush itself. And the Bible says that God spoke to him and said, I am that I am. And Jesus now, 4,000 years later, is in this place, and He says to these people who are consumer-minded, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Well, what does He offer you? He says, I'm the bread of life. Now, what kind of life do you want? When you get connected to some things, consumer things of your life, it begins to hurt and it begins to hold. But Jesus says, I am the bread. Now, write this down. He gives a life that lasts forever. So if you're fearful today, quit. Just stop it. Why should you fear? You're going to live forever. You say, preacher, but I'm holding on here. Friend, surely you don't want to hold on forever. There will be a moment that I won't want to live here anymore. I'm like Paul in Philippians 1. When he said to live as Christ and to die as gain. And the truth is, I want to go and be with Christ, which is far better. But to remain here is needful for you. And I just want to be honest today. If it was not for Sherry and it was not for my family and for you and for a lost and dying world, I'd just say right now, I'm, I want to go now. I don't need all this, do you? I mean, I don't need, I don't, I don't need 100 people this week to, to complain to me about life. I don't need anybody else. You don't need that. You don't need to stop at a stoplight and people give you the number one signal five times. Uh, you don't need to go to work and they shove things down your throat. You don't need all of that. You don't need all this world. But then you start, start to realize something. If Christ could come and be born in a manger and to live a perfect and holy life and endure the cross. I told a man from New York yesterday in the midst of his discouragement, he, he was complaining about something like I said, well, at least think about this, brother. They're not going to put you on a cross tomorrow. And he was like, you know, I knew if I called you, you'd say that. Can I tell you today that what God gifted you when Jesus came is a life that lasts forever. So quit worrying about the length because it's coming. Start living for the quality to make a difference in someone's life. Now, listen to this. But it's not only a life that this is forever, it's a life that is fulfilling. Jesus says you will never hunger. He's not speaking about earthly hunger. Because I am already hungry now. I'm just honest. I'm already thinking about that ham that Sherry has made for lunch. But we, we have earthly hunger, don't we? We just do. But that's not what Jesus is referring to. He's speaking about a desire within us. I find this today that a consumer-driven person has a desire for themselves. I've found out that a person who thinks they're Christ-centered but have gotten all locked up in themselves, they can even say, I'm for Christ, and still be consumer-driven. You see, God is asking you for a life that is bigger than just one problem or bigger than just one your little thing. C.S. Lewis said it best. J.D. Greer quoted him a few weeks ago in a sermon, and I, and I borrowed it from him. Listen to what C.S. Lewis says. It seems in my mind that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but to too weak. Listen to what he said. We have become half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy has been offered us. We are like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea with Jesus Christ. We are far too easily pleased. We want a lesser bread than what Jesus offered. 
I want to tell you that Danny and I stood outside whatever night it was and to, to hear us talk, both of us talking about where we are in life, the, the, the joy of contentment. Whether you get a raise or not, you're content. Whether or not that, that, that you have a healthy day or an unhealthy day, you're content because you are making a difference because God is filling you. You are not hungering. Now listen to what he says here, and you're not thirsty. You're not thirsty. You know what it means to thirst, don't you? I mean, you get that dry mouth, and, and it begins to consume you. I, I find people that when they get down a path, they begin to thirst for some. A person that has a thirst for sex, and you can try to talk to them about something that they shouldn't be doing that, that they should desire purity with God. But when they begin to thirst, Pastor, when they begin to thirst, it's going to be happening. Some of you in this room understand what it is if you're a diabetic, how that, that craving for sugar, and I don't want to go into it deep because you may, may go into a diabetic coma right now, but you have a thirst. You can't help it because it's of your flesh. Some of you today are thirsting to not fear. You're thrust, thirsting not to be frustrated. You're thirsting and you're upset because this futile world is not offering you what that you need. And the harder you try, you may get up for a little bit, but you come right back down. And Jesus says, come to me. And you won't thirst. I don't have to thirst because he, what he's pouring in, oh my goodness. Say, so preacher, I just like to help people. You'll never thirst. They're everywhere. Preacher, I just like to serve the Lord. You'll never thirst. Preacher, I want to be a good mom. You'll never thirst. I want to be a good dad. I want to be a, a good grandparent. I found this out that this life is fulfilling in Jesus, but next, it is free and fulfilling. Say, so what do you mean it's free? That God comes to us in our lives and He says, I'm going to give you this life and it's going to free you. Now, somebody's watching online now. And they were on the couch, and they've thought two or three times of turning it off, but God has not let them do it. And maybe they've sat up now. You remember that day, Brother Danny, when you got saved? There was a lady. I don't know why I keep mentioning you today, because I guess I've been with you this week. There, there was a lady here last Sunday night. I believe it was last, it was last Sunday night that was here that knew Danny before he got saved. And you should have heard Danny. Danny said, he said, I almost didn't walk up maybe to her. He kind of up to her, and, and he's like, do you know me? Are y'all following this? And she looked at you and she said, yeah, I know you. And he said, but things have changed. Has that happened with you? When I come to Christmas every year, I remember that God came and freed me. He freed me from the wrath of God and from my wickedness and put a new hunger. I hungered and thirst for rightness. And because of that, now I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. Anybody else? I'm free. Why are you not in this? I am free. You act as if you're not free. I am free. I am free. This morning, I, I, I texted, as I always do, the pastors that we are in association with. I texted them about 5 o'clock, maybe a few minutes after, how that Peter said in the book of 1 Peter chapter 5 that we are fellow servants of God and that someday the chief shepherd shall appear. Can I tell you what happens when you're free? I texted the brothers and I said this. Today, what a joy it is that God has gifted us to be able now something like this. I said that we're able, listen to this, to serve at the pleasure of the chief shepherd. And your husband texted me back before 6 o'clock and said, Amen, amen, amen. And somebody's got free. Are you tired of not being free? 
Some of you need to come and with your mind and just say, God, make me free. Some of you need to come with your, your mouth. Some of you with a hatred. I talked with someone yesterday. He said, you know what? I, I can take the high road and, and, and suck it up and just do what needs to be done, but I'll never forget what they did. That's not free. Jesus said, I've come to be the, the bread of life. He who comes to me will never hunger. See, I don't hunger to get even. Anyone else? I don't need to get even. Jesus, Jesus made me free. I don't need to thirst. I, I don't need to have, I mean, we looked the other night in with Pastor Hall. Man, there was a Chevrolet that came through. Boy, it was sharp. I mean, it was sharp. Then I thought, that's about $80,000 right there. And in a moment, you know what? I didn't thirst. Because I got a 2012 souped-up Chevrolet Equinox with a four-cylinder in it. Don't you come up against me, Howie. I can take you up to 40 miles an hour. The preacher, you're going to Maryland. No, I hadn't. There are moments. Now watch this, Tony. There are moments when I'd love to have that truck. That 80,000 truck. But then, then you know what happens? God reminds me that mine's paid off. It's almost 30 miles to the gallon. And the rest of you got trucks that I can borrow. And do, and do. And then Marcy Smith, as our finance chairman, knows this to be the truth. When it comes time to give, we all have the privilege of being free. Boy, we've come a long way, and really we hadn't come that far. The question is, do you want a life that is free and fulfilling? Thank you for taking the time to find God's answers to life's greatest issues. We hope that you would reach out to us at info at jacksonfbc.com with your questions and check out more of our ministries at jacksonfbc.com.